Welcome, everyone, to the First Presbyterian Church podcast. We are First Presbyterian in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and we are glad that you are here listening with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, We hope that your day will be blessed, and may the peace of Christ be with you. makes me think of two different movies I've seen recently. The concept I'm, I'm going to get at of found family is kind of the same in both, but it's kind of funny. The first one is Beetlejuice, which I'm not sure I had ever seen in its entirety, uh, but from the 80s, right? It's long and complicated and really kind of a weird movie, but There's a teenage girl and her family that move into this house, and uh, the the girl is really not paid attention to by her parents, and this house also happens to be haunted by this really wonderful couple, right, who would be delightful parents. Um, And things happen, and right, there's that guy named Beetlejuice, but at the end of the movie, there's this beautiful scene of uh, the teenage girl, um, who's a very young Winona Ryder, uh, and uh, the, the, the two ghosts, um, and she comes home from school, and they ask her about her math test, and she says she got an A, they've been studying all week, uh, and then there's music playing, and they're all dancing, uh, and the, the camera shoots to or cuts to her actual parents elsewhere doing whatever it is they do, but um, the love and connection there is between this girl and these ghost parents, right? Okay, sometimes the people in life who are the best for us are not related to us by blood. Another story that I think gets at that is uh, Matilda. Uh, When was that movie made? Like the 90s? But there's also a British version, um, lots of singing and dancing. It's it's very good. Uh, That's been on Netflix recently. And of course, that's all based on the book by Arl Dahl, if you've uh, read that. But uh, kind of a similar idea, minus the ghosts, but Matilda is this really precocious little girl who was basically born to people who could not be more opposite from her. They're vain, they um, don't care about any of the things that she does. She's very smart, a, a big reader. And, you know, in the movie, they're kind of, you know, always sitting at the TV and eating TV dinners and yelling at Matilda and treat her very horribly. But if you know the story, there's this wonderful figure, Miss Honey, um, who who comes along. And there's other people, too, along the way who play sort of these littler roles. But by the end of the story, Miss Honey, this wonderful young woman who herself had a very tragic family history, um, adopts Matilda. And her parents go their way to do whatever nonsense it is they do. But Matilda finds a new home. Ruth and Naomi are bound in some ways by family, but not by blood, right? Uh, They are bound together by marriage and circumstance. You know, we hear in the story how this all came to be. There was a famine, and so Naomi, her husband Elimelech, they moved to Moab. There are two sons. 
the two sons marry Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. But all the men die somehow, and that's a really big deal in the ancient world. Women, uh, unlike today, couldn't just live alone. It was unheard of, basically. They had no kind of protection or covering, no means of sustenance or income, of taking care of themselves. So Naomi is really in a bind. She's both without her husband and her sons, and in Moab, this strange land where she does not belong and her people are not there. So she decides to go back to Bethlehem. Now, Orpah and Ruth, they are in a bind as well because, yes, their husbands have died, but they are still young. Uh, so you hear Naomi saying to them, you need to marry again. You should stay and find other husbands, right? Because for women then, they needed to be either in their father's house, be married, or then have sons that could take care of them. Okay, so they don't have the husbands anymore, but maybe, maybe they can go back to their family home and then find new husbands and have more sons or have new sons. So everybody's in a crisis, right? Something needs to change to happen. Naomi goes back to Bethlehem to find her people. And Ruth is this very honorable, royal figure who declares that she will stay with Naomi, even though Naomi says, you should stay. And staying would make sense. Ruth is from Moab. That's where her people are. She could easily probably find another husband and go about her life. But something, something has tied her to Naomi in those 10 years. And so she says, I will go with you. Where you go, I will go. That beautiful verse that you've probably heard at some wedding at some point, or will in the future if you haven't been to that many weddings yet in your life. Where you go, I will go. She volunteers to go to the strange land where she has never been before, Bethlehem. And they don't have a plan either for how they're going to work out their income and their provision. She just knows she's going to stay with Naomi no matter what. Her mother-in-law. She doesn't have to. It doesn't make sense. And she's giving up the place and the people and the faith that she knew in Moab to go do this entirely new and probably scary thing. And so off they go. Now, the part of the story we don't hear about is uh, all about Boaz and how all that comes to be. But we did hear the end that everything works out for Naomi and Ruth. Ruth finds the husband, Boaz. He cares for them and uh, includes Naomi, it seems, in their family, even though technically uh, the child that is born to them is not necessarily um, a direct descendant of her. They are made a family, and they have Obed, who becomes an ancestor of Jesus. 
There are not very many women mentioned by name in the Bible. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago with Moses and the midwives. So when women are named, their stories are important, and we should pay attention. The Bible, the people who wrote the scripture, thought that what they did and their stories, their faithfulness, were so important that they needed to be remembered. Ruth, of course, is one of two women who have books named after them in the Old Testament, Ruth and Esther. And uh, later in the New Testament, uh, Matthew's gospel gives a long list of the ancestors of Jesus and names just four women, Ruth included. Ruth is not an Israelite. She is a Moabite. And yet her actions and her faithfulness to Naomi to whatever it was that God had in store for them, blessed her and included her in this grand and great story of redemption and God's saving love in the world. Something else I think is worth noting that I hadn't really thought about before, but this the story of Ruth is unlike maybe some of the other stories in, in the Old Testament or stories of the heroes of the faith. This is an everyday person. This isn't a story of war or battle or leadership, receiving the Ten Commandments or seeing a burning bush. This is an ordinary woman and the, the sequence of events relates to ordinary life. People die. Women have to figure out what to do have to make choices about how to live and how to carry on. And that ordinary story then has been included in scripture and it is lifted up to us as a model of faithfulness and connection. Ruth is a hero of faith just because she stayed. Another interesting thing about this book is that though God is mentioned in Ruth, God is kind of removed from the story. God is in the story, but God is not the central actor of the story. God is not doing things so much. Although you do hear about how God provided food for the people of Bethlehem. You hear about Ruth and Naomi's devotion to God and how God provides But mostly, the story is not about earth-shattering divine action, but as I said, about ordinary people choosing love, choosing to stay. And for us, Ruth can be a model of faithfulness, of staying. Most of us don't get, like I said a couple weeks ago, the burning bush or God handing down tablets like the Ten Commandments. We don't all get to be the leader of a people. We don't all get to be prophets. But all of us can be like Ruth. We all have the opportunity to bless others, to bless our families and our friends. Now, not all of us were born into great families. Some of us were, probably. I think there's kind of a mixed bag, too. Sometimes our families are great, and we do love them, but also also there's kind of a difficulty in it. 
Um, another show I was watching recently, I watch a lot of Netflix, uh, had the story of a teenage girl and her, her mom was a, an addict and died of an overdose. And the story follows how she's reckoning with the funeral and how she's reckoning with the grief. Now, the brother is just mad, mad at all the failings that this mother had. But the sister is kind of working through that even when people harm us greatly, sometimes they are also people who loved us but didn't know how, if that makes sense. And that's a common story, I think. Again, some of us have great families, but again, it's also sometimes a mixed bag of good and bad and nurture and neglect, and we kind of wind up as adults reckoning with all of that. But we always get the chance to care for those people in our life, whether we respond to the family that brought us into this world or like Matilda and Winona Ryder in Beetlejuice, we find other people to care for us. And we can be those people too. At the best of times, I think that's what church should be, that we should be those surrogate mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and grandmothers and grandfathers, siblings and friends, that here we would show up and we would be family for all the negative connotations of that word. That's what I dream and hope for us, that we would be like Ruth, committed to each other no matter what the journey holds. So the invitation, I think, this week is to look for those places and those people right in front of you where you can love and commit. There's a lot going on in the world right now. You've heard a lot probably this week about the war and the violence in Israel-Palestine. And, of course, there's problems all over the place. And we pray and we do what we can, but also there's great power in loving deeply the people who are right in front of us, all around us. Our friends, our family, the people we see at work or at school or at the Kroger, even though they apparently redid the Dolphin Drive Kroger and it's a mess, we can still be grateful, right, for the people who work there people who brought the food to us. So this week, let us love deeply. Let us look for those opportunities and find one way we can love someone deeper than we did before. Amen.